For October 14th, 2019, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 589. Begun, this Will Smith clone war has. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The Overthinkers are like your smart, funny friends from the internet, and we're never happier than when we are hanging out together and talking about whatever interests us this week. I'm Matt Rather. I am here with my good friends, Matthew Belinky. Hello, Matt. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good to be back. Always glad to have you. Peter Fenzel. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. And Mark Lee. Hey, Mark. Hey, Matthew. Hey. Uh, So, listen, uh, guys, I miss the old podcasts, you know, the old-timey podcasts when we were younger versions of ourselves. Do you remember remember those old podcasts? Don't you miss those? Those old podcasts? (laughs) Don't you miss them? Uh, And uh, specifically, I'm referring to the podcasts where we used to talk about films without having seen the film. <laughs> that, and, and I don't know if, you know, if anyone's an overthinking it, you know, podcast listener come lately, but uh, this used to be a, a, a hallmark of our podcasting style. This used to be one of the things that we did um, that caused so much, so much joyous praise from all concerned. <laughs> people, people were thrilled with our propensity to hold forth importantly on uh, shows that we had not that we had not ever seen films and and tv shows and things like this and uh guys i have the perfect film that we have not seen that i think that we should all talk about in honor of uh throwing back to our younger selves i'd like to talk about the uh the teaming or reteaming or first time teaming of two giants giants of 1990s cinema. I'm talking about Mr. Will Smith and Mr. Ang Lee, uh, who <laughs> released... I thought film. you were going to say Will Smith and Will Smith. <laughs> that that would have worked, too. Three, three giants <laughs> of 1990s cinema. Uh, Ang Lee, Will Smith, and Will Smith. Uh, in the film Gemini Man, where near as I can tell from the trailer and the, no spoilers cuz this is uh this is all in the trailer um no spoilers because we don't know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're not much danger of spoiling stuff today. Yeah, Will Smith encounters young Will Smith, um, who looks a little uncanny valley like young Samuel L. Jackson in Captain Marvel, but like I'll give it to him. Uh, and young Will Smith and and old Will Smith are involved in cloning or some sort of conspiracy or like a, you know, born identity like super soldier kind of plot to take over or retake over or uh, insurge something, you know, that's a, it's a, it's a, you know, your, your, your standard, uh, your standard cloning super soldier type of, type of plot. And, and quicker than you can say, begun this Will Smith clone war has, we all decided not to go see this film this weekend. And so we're going to, uh, we're going to talk about it at great length. So, uh, just to jump in, um, what, what would it be like for you to encounter your younger self. But but let's get let's get in a little more specific. How how are the ways actually short of science fiction? We can we can stage elaborate. Oh. Oh, we, I mean, okay, science fiction if you want to. God, it's a give the people what they want, I guess. But like um here's here's one that I was thinking. I I encounter my younger self uh when I come across like a journal I've kept when I was younger and read my thoughts at that, at that particular time. Oh, angst filled Matt rather teenager. That's good stuff. Can you publish that? Thank you, please, Matt. (laughs) Only in the members area. (laughs) Not sure. sure I want that out there for public consumption. And, and let me tell you, I hate that guy. He's so annoying, but uh, you know, I don't know what, how, how might you encounter your your younger self what are what are some ways that seem uh, pertinent to you um anyone jump in well i i mean if we want to 
I, I guess there's not a huge gulf between the sci-fi and non-sci-fi ways of talking about it because it seems kind of like the sci-fi ways of talking about it are metaphors for the non-sci-fi ways of talking about it. So, and it, perhaps you reading your old journal could be any of these things. You can have a Gemini man or looper scenario where your older self and your younger self are trying to kill each other, yep. right? There's this sort of, uh, this sort of, Nuevo narcissistic take on the uh, on the Oedipus myth, right? Where it's yeah. like you have to kind of kill your, you know, you kill the father of yourself. The child is the father of the man, right? And you go back and you kill, you try to kill yourself either to prevent something from happening or you try to kill your older self. And the metaphor is that you don't want to become the person that you have become, uh, or you don't want the person who was you to experience something that was horrible for you. Uh, so there's that kind of situation, right? And then there's also. I want to give advice to my younger self. I wish my my younger self knew something uh, that 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 I know, and I want to sort of give it to them and 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 tell them about it. Uh, although that could also you could interpret that as I want to make my younger self into the person that I want them to be. So so I guess Biff Tannen is the patron saint of this kind of time travel. Although yes. the way he does it is he goes back and he give he gives information to his younger self, right? So his younger self can become the uh, Trumpian Titan that he wanted to be and hoped to be, especially, you know, in, in uh, after his kind of humiliations in, in kind of recompense for his humiliations at the hands of Marty McFly. Uh, and I guess to an extent that also is sort of what Marty McFly is doing when he's changing his own father. He's really kind of going back and changing himself uh, and he's changing. He's making his own life better by fixing something that happened in the past. Right. Um, or you can meet your younger self. Uh, and I, in this case, I'm kind of thinking about Into the Spider-Verse or, or its predecessor, Turtles Forever, and like learn something about yourself that you didn't quite know or like find the, the different perspectives that you have. And perhaps this happens in Gemini Man. We wouldn't know. We haven't seen it. Provide you guys as a team with a combination of skills or knowledge that you would not either of you have because the older self has forgotten something that the younger self knew and the older self has learned something that the younger self hasn't. So it's like, are you, are you two people and you're a team? Are you one life and one of you has to die? Are you, so are you a mistake to be corrected? Are you a missed opportunity to be seized, right? Like what is it about your relationship between your past and your present that defines you in that respect? Or are you primer or primer in which case you're like, you know, 18 different, uh, you know, nested and recycling uh, events in a garage that doesn't have a clear personal metaphor to it as much. But anyway, I mean, any other time travel self? I mean, if you're saying reading a journal, for me, it would be what? Um, gosh, I mean, I guess I could, I could look at old tapes of old shows, right? Either listening to the podcast or watching old improv shows and things yeah. like that. And that could be pretty intense. <laughs> that That's something I tend to avoid. Uh, you know, it's um, like like it's sort of I feel sort of like the Jeff Daniels character from Looper who's just like, trust me, go to China. I'm from the future. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What do you guys think about sort of this kind of either literal or metaphorical time travel or self-confrontation? I, mm -hmm. I feel like, um, you know, being uh, in conflict with the younger self is the predominant way in which we uh, we see that played out. Um, and then let, not so much in sci-fi things, but more in real life. But I mostly refer to essentially like old tweets and um, documentary evidence that we left behind and not out into the public and forgot about it. And then it all comes to bite. Um, I, I say us, you know, it comes to bite us. It, it comes to bite someone in the ass. Um, like uh, James Gunn's tweets is a good example of that. Maybe Sarah Jung. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that story, but basically a journalist who wrote some provocative tweets a while ago. And then um, that all was used against her. I see a lot of that happening. And that kind of that resonates with me um, in particular, I'll just go ahead and, and take it to the personal realm because uh, and actually uh, this is might not be news to overthinking members um, and to put some stuff on my 90s sketchbook that I discovered. But anyway, the, the to get around to it is that um, 90s, uh, you know, 18 year old version of myself was uh, pretty different and particularly politically like uh, it's no surprise that, you know, everybody on this podcast uh, leans to some degree on, on the left or liberal end of the spectrum. Uh, that was not me at 18. I grew up in Alabama um, in a very conservative environment and reflected that and took those politics with me to college. I don't know if you guys remember, I put a Bush Cheney uh, campaign 
uh, flyer in my window that faced uh, one of the busiest streets on, on, on campus just to troll everyone uh, to be uh, to, to stick out and be different from the rest. Um, and things changed a lot since the year 2000, you know, a lot that happened in the, in the early aughts um, that, that, that led me in a, in a different direction. But that that is my big feeling about this. Like if I were to meet, come face to face with my younger self, it would be a, a, there would be a sense of conflict um, and, and a wrong uh, that need to be righted, pun intended. And for who, though? For you would need to fix your younger self? Yeah. 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 What would you say to your younger self to fix them? Would you would you hit them, I, I, hit them I, I, with a, shoot them with an assault rifle like Will Smith might be the Gemini man? Uh, no, because, or, because, or, because uh, a good liberal doesn't have an own assault rifle. I think <laughs> I would basically bring with me a, a copy of the uh, Wikipedia article for the Iraq War and be like, "This is gonna happen." Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's funny. Or the. Or I feel like you could sort of tragically misinterpret the the uh, lesson of Looper and shoot yourself, and then realize, oh no, I'm the older version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the younger version doesn't depend. Uh, doesn't depend on me. Now there's like, yeah, there is, I think Pete, you're right. There's like a sort of sense of which there can be, in which there can be like a a. a timeline a, a a timeline of of scarcity of like uh individual resources or resources to be like the the you know resources upon which individuality is predicated or a a timeline of abundance of the same resources right where multiple versions of you can exist um sort of simultaneously and this is like this is wh- whether you're going it's sort of whether you can go back or not, right? Like the the back to the the back to the future model versus the um, not yesterday's Enterprise, but what's the one where all the different quantum versions of the Enterprise uh, appear together, including one where the there's a war with the Klingons and they they have to send them back to that, you know. I mean, are you talking about all good things at the very end? No, or? that's no, no, that's uh, anti-time, Pete. Anti-time. <laughs> but the uh, no, no, I'm, I'm talking about there's there's one in which there are many quantum. Is is that the season finale? Um, but uh, but in a, in any case, like, can can two of you exist at the same time? And I think that like right, I think that there there is a question here. It is a kind of metaphorical for. Um, it is sort of metaphorical for something else where it's a little bit like, uh, I, you know, can you exist with your, with your, you know, the younger version of yourself? I've always had trouble. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. I mean, after almost 600 episodes, what haven't we talked about on the podcast before? I mean, we're not that interesting, but the, uh, I, I've always had trouble keeping a journal because, like, I get super judgy about the stupidity of the thing I've written, like, I- immediately upon setting pen to paper, right? Like, one sentence later, and it's like, ah, oh, rip that page out. That's a stupid thought. Especially, you know, if you try to share anything that's, like, below the surface, below kind of a recital of what, like, the, the events that happened in a particular day, how you felt about something or something you were scared of or something you were conflicted about or something you were trying to like work through or or anything that was particularly like intimate or intense or um vulnerable you know this is you know it's very hard to if that's a a touchy area for you it's very hard to kind of confront that um and to kind of uh, confront that those parts of yourself even in the the privacy of your own um, of your own journal, you know, and that, that, or at least that was, that was my experience. And so I would, uh, I would get super judgy about everything that I wrote and I would put it up, uh, I would get rid of it in, um, in short order, either by, you know, scratching it out or ripping the pages out. I, I was not successful at keeping a journal for, uh, for very long. And I, I, I regret that. Like, I, I wish I could 
go back. I mean, I guess if I, I guess, I, I guess the, the advice I'd give to my younger self is no, 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 stick with it. Like keep a journal, make a, make a rule that no matter how dumb it seems to you, like even immediately after writing it, that you're not going to, you're not going to sort of eradicate it. Like you, you're going to like, let it be and not go back and look at it until some time has passed and you can like view your younger self in a, a, a slightly less hot state of, um, you know, immediate experience and, and with a little uh, more uh, dispassion and a little more um, uh, compassion, I suppose. Blinky, did you ever keep a uh, did you ever keep a journal, or do you have do you have records of what you were like as a younger man? Ooh, this is this is a hard story to even remember, guys. So there was a, a family birthday party for me fairly recently. I'd say within the last five years, and like you know, my entire extended family is there, and my mom decides to surprise me. She's collected all the newspaper columns I wrote all through three years of high school, and has like bound them up as like a booklet and made copies for everyone. And this was oh not a, this was not a sort of like write about what's going on in the school column. Okay. This was like a day. Barry style humor column, like observational humor column. Um, Do you have any of it that you could read to us? Okay, this was the, this was like I was. Uh, people have described me as like a deer in the headlights because it was like I I understood that it was an extremely thoughtful and heartfelt gesture of which she was very proud. But also, I was like very anxious to get all those copies to rip them out of people's hands and to and to burn them in a bonfire in the backyard because that the. the the, the sort of like smug, I'm the cleverest 16 year old boy in the world's writing was just, you know, it, it, it felt way too raw. Like she might as well have found like some kind of, some kind of nude of, of a photo shoot from back in the day and just like, like Instagram that out to everybody. Um, so that, that, but, but let me, instead of responding, um, in a very personal way, as I normally do, can I deflect to something in pop culture, which I think uh, very closely informs what you were talking about rather, um, a different episode of Star Trek, the next generation season six, episode 15 tapestry. Does this ring a bell to anyone just by the title alone? Oh yeah, I think so. Okay, so Picard wakes up in a white room. Q is there, tells him that he is dead because he's been in some sort of a fight that takes place off camera. An away mission went bad, and it turns out I don't think we ever knew this about Picard before, but he has an artificial heart, which is not a big deal in the future. Artificial hearts are great; everyone should have an artificial heart because he was in a crazy bar fight back when he was a cadet, and um, he had to get an artificial heart. And so Q offers him a sort of like almost like it's a wonderful lifestyle opportunity to basically re-inhabit his younger body and to relive the day or the two days right leading up to the bar fight to do things differently and thereby avoiding the bar fight, avoiding the artificial heart and saving his life in the future. So it turns out that Picard in the past, when he was a teenager was kind of a frat boy was kind of had a reputation of being a womanizer and a troublemaker and, uh, you know, and Picard in the future is deeply ashamed of his younger self. And so that we see him reliving his younger self, but sort of making Picard in the future type decisions. So, like, he um, – I'm trying to remember. I think he chooses to, like, hook up with a close friend that he always regretted not hooking up with. And it turns out just to ruin his relationship with her. And he avoids the bar fight, but all his friends uh, hate him because he didn't stand up for them in the bar fight. And then they they cut back to the – and and. Q's like, congratulations, you fixed the past. And they cut back to his life in the present. And he's like basically the world's oldest ensign. Like he's serving on the Enterprise, but he's not the captain. He's just a low-level officer. And he and then like, you know, the, the sort of the third act is like he he goes and he talks to the other members of the cast to try to figure out what's gone on. And he basically is never was a risk taker, never took the initiative sort of because he never had his near death experience. It, it robbed him of some sort of crucial motivation, crucial drive that led him to become the man he was. And so at the end, he has to choose to go back into the past and get into the bar fight, even if it means that he dies in the, in the, uh, the presence and that like, you know, he'd rather live life as uh, you know, with that sort of reckless streak, then, then, uh, live longer safe. So, I mean, I, I think 
it's interesting because I, I think that it informs some of what we were talking about earlier, which is that like, oh, don't you wish you could have gone back and given your younger self advice? And I think the point of this episode is like, be careful what you wish for, because the mistakes of your youth are what allows you to have that wisdom in the presence. And it's like, if you hadn't made those mistakes, who knows where you'd be today? And I, I've always thought that episode was really insightful and powerful. And I do often wonder whether I'm in that timeline, <laughs> whether there was like some sort of brave thing I was supposed to do in my past that I never did. Uh, and do you guys, which which Picard do you identify with more in that? The the command Picard who has the heart transplant because he faced down the Klingon and took the knife to the back through the chest or the science officer Picard, who uh, avoided the risk when he was young and now kind of looks back and wonders whether he should have done more things that were dangerous. I mean, the, the, um, the, the answer is always both, right? Like, because it's it's a grass is greener type of situation. When you feel bad about your own lot at the particular moment, like, oh, my heart is failing. Then you're like, oh, I should have lived a quiet life. You know, I should have should have been more timid. I should not have heart failure. And then, you know, when you have uh, when you're the world's oldest ensign and, and not fit for command, then it's like, Oh, I, I, I should have dared greatly. You know, I should have like uh, been um, been more uh, risk taking and, and more assertive throughout throughout all of my life, right? Like the the uh, there is a sort of grass is grass is always greener. And I guess like when you know it depends whether you feel at any particular moment whether you feel sort of put upon or whether you feel kind of stagnant, you know. And that's yeah. uh, maybe maybe your life has has one or the other predominant in in that but i feel like i oscillate between the two um you know from time to time and and that that kind of sine curve of like uh, uh that kind of dialectical movement is what what propels me forward a lot of the time And then I, I suppose as another pop culture uh, example that we could put in the pile of like meeting your younger self. Uh, anybody remember a 2000 uh, Disney movie called The Kid starring Bruce Willis? This is by go, the, go okay. on, go on. Okay, so this, this is great. Actually, when I when I saw the trailer for the uh, the Will Smith movie, this reminded me of the existence of the kid. It is directed by a guy named John Turtleteb, Turtletob, um, who his name did not ring a bell. But can I read you some of the things on his he's resume? Done, he's can done we, everything, right? And I can't oh, yeah, name no, a, okay. I can't name a single thing off the top of my head, but I just know he's done everything, right? Okay, wait, let, let, me, let me give you some of the heads. And let me tell you something. If he only directed Three Ninjas, Dayenu. If he only directed Cool Runnings, Dayenu. Um, let me rattle some off. While You Were Sleeping, National Treasure, National Treasure 2, Book of Secrets. Um, recently, he hasn't done much except for a little movie called The Meg last summer. Wow. So he's, he's the the Meg is by the director of Cool Runnings? The Meg is by the director of Three Ninjas and Cool Runnings <laughs> um, and, and The Kid. So The Kid is basically the Will Smith movie, except for instead of being confronted with like an early 20s version of himself, he's confronted with an eight-year-old version of himself. And they don't they don't fight to the death. Instead, they like hang out together and like talk about like the way that their collective life is gone. So I think the the point. Okay, so I I have very vague memories of it, but I I refresh the Wikipedia page. But the point is that. Bruce Willis believes that he's supposed to help his young self navigate like a rough period in his childhood where like his mother died and like he made some some weird. I don't I don't know. I I don't feel like he he made a a tragically bad decision. Like he like got involved in like a gang and like sold meth on a street corner or anything. But I think the point of the movie is that Bruce Willis is convinced that he has to help his his younger self sort of grow up and not make the same mistakes that he did. But in fact, he eventually figures out the point is that he needs to recapture some of the idealism and some of the hope and some of the joy of his eight-year-old self and remember the things that remember the passions that he sort of like let go to live like a more humdrum i'm in mid-40s office drone kind of life so that once again the, the the point is that like your instinct to lecture your younger self is wrong um and if anything your younger self should be lecturing you Interesting, interesting that you think that the younger self is now. Is that a situation of kind of wishful thinking where we kind of hope that the younger self has this wisdom that we're reaching back for? Or do we think there's some truth to that? Uh, the sort of the wisdom of the younger self that can help the older person. 
Well, I have recently participated in some kind of like, you know, uh, professional development exercise, most mainly game towards uh, people are much younger early in their careers than, than I am. But a a key part of that, which was kind of sussing out like, you know, uh, to, to be kind of cliche about, all right, what's your passion? What's your purpose? You know, what is your kind of driving impetus and, and what you ought to be doing in your career? One of the specific things that uh, was part of that exercise was think about the things that you did in your childhood and uh, what really got you motivated then. Um, and I, I think there's some validity to that. Um, but Begging uh, I will my be parents curious to hear not to get yeah. divorced. No, oh, no. anyone else? Oh. No, uh. <laughs> it was really motivating, guys. <laughs> so you're not a fan of the kid, is what you're saying? <laughs> the movie, the film, not the one I used to be. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, can, now that your train has been thrown off the tracks, <laughs> do you want to lumber it, screeching and sparking towards the station that you were aiming for? Oh yeah, Mark. What, what, what did you like when you were growing up? <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a, that was sort of a cock block, wasn't it? Yeah, bad. Yeah, but no. Part of the piece, right? We're all interrogating our younger selves and bringing <laughs> that all to the fore. Um, for for me in particular, I think what I what uh, I brought to the table was this idea of not just making music. Um, and as I've talked about many times in the podcast, right, I identify a lot as a musician. And I think it's fair to say as well that as a younger person, I just like a greater portion of my time was spent playing music rather uh, than doing pretty much anything else, um, especially compared to today. And uh, what I what I what I landed on was um, uh, in a position not just where I'm creating and you know, it's not like show up to the office and, and play music is not. The, the the direction for this or, or, you know, quit my job and become a musician. It's more like think about like the act of creation and how many steps away you're getting away from that. Um, and like the, the places where I've been happiest is, you know, not just being a creator, but um, being uh, one step away from that and facilitating creation and bringing, let's say, bringing musicians together and taking good players and making them better by putting them all together and trying to find some way to apply that mindset to a uh, professional environment, uh, in particular, where, you know, uh, in, in my line of work, where in, in government in particular, uh, you become less of a creator of stuff, you know, of deliverables of analyses and much more um, like many, many steps removed away from that. And, uh, and, and sticking to that ethos that I just described is is a bit challenging. So, I, you know, that 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 resonated with me. Um, I thought that was that was useful. You know, your mileage may vary, certainly. You know, does anybody else think that's like kind of like it? Well, the equivalent for me in terms of like what is the wisdom that my younger self had that was there that for some reason didn't translate into the future, probably related to what I did this weekend, which was I went to my twentieth high school reunion. So I definitely got to confront my younger self in some respect there. Oh wow! Um, How was that? Yeah, it was great. Um, I really regret that. I was only able to stay for about two and a half hours. Um, and uh, there's a reason for that I can talk about later if you guys want to hear about it. But um, but I was there and I got to see a bunch of my old friends. And it, they were at a point where nobody's really trying to fully impress anybody anymore, at least in the terms of nobody's trying to like get with anybody anymore, as far as I could tell, right? Like everybody is pretty settled down. And in fact, most of the people who were there were people who stayed local. You know, it's maybe like one eighth, one ninth of my class was there. Uh, and, and I had traveled in from out of town, but only maybe a handful of other people did. Uh, but most people didn't bring their spouses. They they went alone and the spouse stayed home with the kids. Right. Um, and my wife and I, we don't have kids yet. So, you know, we went. And so I got to introduce her. And there was like only a couple of other spouses there for, for her to for her to talk to. But the interesting thing was that. You know, in the five-year reunion, you want to show off that you're doing well, right? I felt like, uh, but more importantly, like you're trying to kind of, uh, you get a, you're getting a second chance at any kind of last stories, right? This sort of felt like that way in college too, right? Where it's like the, the sort of always sunny in Philadelphia reunion story where it's like, oh man, I'm cooler now. Maybe people will like me. And this sort of speaks to what you were talking about, Matt, in terms of like, if you feel good about where you are, then you know, then then this or this you have a different reaction to your past than if you like feel in a very needy way as to where you are now about your past. Um, you know, nobody every a lot of the people are settled down. And, and so, you know, first you got from like, who who am I going to try to have one last chance with? 
right? To like, how am I going to show off that I've pulled my life together, right? And for this, it was really just sort of like, uh, I haven't seen you in a long time because we skipped our 15. We didn't have a 15 year reunion as far as I know. And it was almost like there were versions, there were like Gemini man versions of each of the other people at the reunion that existed in their pasts, but you had sort of images of them, right? One of the things I said while I was there is like all of these people live in my head, like younger versions of all these people live in my head as like very powerful characters because I went to school with a lot of those people since like elementary school. And so I knew them for, you know, a decade, right? Very closely. Even people I wasn't friends with, I, I had very, very clear ideas of who they are. And now here they are totally transformed. And yet the younger version of them is still so real and powerful to me, even relative to people that I've met recently. Um, that that sort of experience of seeing the person and kind of reconciling where they are now with who they were. Uh, I mean, what I would say is that I was really pleasantly surprised. And this is kind of sound kind of weird and needy in its own way by how much people liked me. Right. Like by people being happy to see me. And I mean, I was certainly paying it back. I was happy to see everybody else, too. Um, but just the idea that like, OK, that younger self of me, that's like you living in everybody else's head is like a well-liked person. Right. That they did something right. Because you look, can look back at your past with so much pain yeah. and all the stuff that happened and all the things that went wrong. But it's like that version. I mean, you know, I walk up. There's this, you know, this guy there. I maybe didn't talk to him more than a couple of times uh, from like, you know, maybe freshman or sophomore year of high school on, if that. Um, he's a firefighter now in New Haven. He's awesome. Got an awesome family and everything. And I go up to him and it's like, oh, wow. Hey, how are you doing? And, and, and I turn to my wife and I'm like, this is the first guy I ever played Mike Tyson's punch out with. Right. And he's like, you remember. Right. And so like that's that's my that was my sort of Gemini experience. Right. It was like that person is there for them. Who's me. And so I don't know whether it's that uh, contingent on my own situation now that that I that I sort of see the past self as having this message to me of like, if you feel like terribly alone, there are people who do remember you fondly. Right. Like and if you feel like you don't live anywhere, well, you live in the memories and minds of all these people that you've come across over the years uh, and absence and time do kind of sand the edges off, perhaps. So in that sense, there was a there was a wisdom that my younger self was passing to my older self. But it was a wisdom that my younger self didn't know. Um, right. Like that. I, that certainly my younger self felt very lonely, despite being like relatively well known, you know, and being like a class president and whatnot or school president. In all that sense, like lots of acquaintances who are, you know, lots of people that I feel like are my friends, but I don't feel a lot of connection. I feel alienated. I'm a teenager. Like it's normal. Right. But it's like, oh, I'm so crushingly lonely. Nobody likes me. Right. Um, and then it's like, no, it turned out that that at least in retrospect, <laughs> right, like absence, uh, hindsight, time, uh, as long as you're not trying to sleep with any of them, everybody's real nice to you. <laughs> so not that I was trying to do that too hardcore at all, but uh, it just kind of is fun to um to to look at the past without that anxiety of like trying to need to prove anything and just sort of being collegial, you know, with well, people you know, that you have a past with. I don't know. Yeah, I think that the the whether you're sleeping with with uh, the people or not. I mean, I feel like that's that's a proxy for talking about sort of worth and worthiness and acceptance. Yes, yes. Right? It's not really about the that's not really what I'm talking about. But you're 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 spot on. No, continue. Yeah, yeah. and that like and that like to to a certain extent it it is a sign like I I had a great experience at my um, I had a great experience at my 20th high school reunion and like this, despite it, it being, uh, a kind of a hard stretch in my life and like actually beginning a, a year, uh, that turned out to be kind of a hard year without, I mean, no one ever plans to have a hard year, but I really didn't plan to have a hard year and, and ended up with one. And, you know, I had just been let go from a job and like I had been, you know, it, it was like, I was really kind of struggling with sort of my place in the world and with regrets and with like a question about what I was doing with my time and stuff. And like, and I went back and for whatever reason at, you know, what are you at your 20th reunion at, at 38, right? Like we, we all had, uh, you know, so much aloha for one another that like it was, it was, I don't know, really sort of, really sort of beautiful. And like, I, I don't know if that's like, I don't know if that's, there, there's something about it. Now I, I have a, a good friend from high school, um, 
who I like a lot and enjoy a lot spending time with, um, who actually listens to the podcast. Uh, hey, you probably know who you are. I'll keep you anonymous. Um, who did not go to the reunion. And wh- when I-, I talked about it beforehand with him, and it was like, uh, well, no, are you going to... Um, and, uh, you know, he shared, my friend shared that he felt really still... Um, sort of hurt and resentful, like about a lot of stuff that had gone gone on back at that time, which is a point of view that I totally get, you know, and not sort of being able to, uh, not being able to sort of get, get past that, or not, you know, not like feeling like those things are unresolved. I don't mean to say get past that as as in that's like the normal thing that you should do. I mean, there there are things in life that you're not supposed to get past. Um, the uh, you know, and that like didn't want to didn't want to appreciate that. And I, I guess I I went into it with with some anxiety, and yet this sort of sense, you know, this sense that everyone had that. Um, I don't know that that everyone had lived a little a little life like everyone had been humbled in whatever their version of that was right like whether it's you know a professional or whether it's in some sort of family thing or whether it's in some sort of health way like you know li- life has a way life has a way of knocking you down and then kicking you when you're down and it happens it happens to all of us and like i think that there is a certain there's a certain way in which there's a certain way in which it can happen to you that sort of separates you from other people you know that makes you feel sort of um I don't know, that makes you feel like one sort of Picard. And then there's a certain sense in which it happens to you that makes you feel like, like the other sort of, uh, the other sort of Picard with, with the sense of sort of gratitude for the road that has led you, um, uh, to the road that has led you where you are, uh, you know, difficulty and consequences, um, and all, you know, and that like, uh, there are two, I don't know, there, there are, it it um that con- i i want to be sort of like really gentle about the idea that like though i found it really uh i found it really good to sort of reunite with that you know that sort of version of myself and like and to realize that you know people had internal representations of me that they carried with them as you know and as i do and as you know as pete was describing like and that they were that they were by and large positive and that like they were appreciative and like um you know that 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 felt good like uh i don't know not not i guess not everyone has that or or uh, should have that you know, um, it, de- it depends how how much how much of that stuff you experienced, sort of as specifically abusive, you know, versus a- as kind of like sucking in a more generalized kind of way. Uh, yeah, that I mean, that gosh, that is that is an interesting that is an interesting thing. And the, Pete, did you go? Was it in your old school? Did you go and like see the oh. actual places? No, it was in or a like new like a Radisson ballroom or something like that. Or... It was in a new restaurant in the downtown of my old town. Oh, got it. Like a new event place, but it was in like a bar. So uh-huh. we had an upstairs kind of loft bar space that we had rented out. Yeah. Um so yeah, we had some diet cokes there. It was pretty exciting. Uh-huh. I think a lot of people took advantage of the open bar a lot more than I did. Pretty pretty expensive diet cokes. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's it's interesting. I feel like what you guys are saying is that like sort of interfacing with old friends, people who knew you when you were a younger self is a way of getting at the Gemini man version of yourself. Right. Because they still look at you like you're 20. I I suppose in that case of a high school union, like you're 15. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like not totally. They don't treat you like you're a kid anymore. Obviously, we're all adults, but they have access to memories and a version of you that no one who meets you when you're an adult will ever be able to have. Right. They're only going to see you as an adult. Whereas that like your friends can kind of kind of have uh, you're you're like a Russian doll of Pete's or Matt's. (laughs) Right. And they they can sort of see through the, the, the crusty outer layers to like the cute little little baby inside. 
I, do, do you, is that, I mean, is that how I was as a younger man? I don't know. You all cute little baby. Like you all knew me. Like it, I mean, it's interesting because you had we, more hair than a baby. <laughs> depends on the baby, I suppose. Um, we, uh, yeah, we, uh, uh, we all knew each other when, when we were younger and I, I, it's funny. I don't like, I don't, I don't look at this kind of, uh, longitudinal art project that, that we do together in recording a podcast as like a way of like maintaining a connection with the glory days. I suppose you guys are too, too much a part of my day-to-day life to be like, for it to be, you know, really a nostalgia thing, um, a, a, a nostalgia play. Right. But that, um, you know, I, the, there is a sense, I don't know. What's the, the, um, uh, I mean, the Sondheim song from, from merrily we roll along. That's, uh, uh, old friends, uh, some friends fade, or they don't make the grade. New ones are quickly made, and a and a pinch, sure they they'll do. But us, old friend, what's to discuss, old friend? Here's to us who's like us, damn few. That's I mean that 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 thing of like what's to discuss, you know. In in our case, quite a lot, as it turns out. But but <laughs> um, uh, you know that sense of like you don't need to do the fo- you don't need to do the kind of blocking and tackling in a lot of cases. You don't need a sports metaphor. You don't need to do the footwork of, uh, of, you know, establishing a social connection. And that's, that's a lot of the value of the kind of the old, the old people, I guess. Yeah. But Matt, I mean, this, oh, sorry, go ahead, Mark. Yeah. This makes me think, um, the, the talk of the reunion and also now Matt bringing it to this group and how long we've known each other. Um, it makes me think of the, uh, insecurity, at least that I felt first meeting all of you, and trying to integrate into the group and just feeling like there and tell me if you feel other otherwise, but there was a, a sense of one upsmanship, um, it, it, mostly friendly competition of being of having the most clever thing to say. Um, and I wasn't I guess always so over- friendly about it, as I recall. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there baby Matt was a little little itty bitty cutesy baby Matt was a little bit ornery at certain times. So we we supplemented it. We, it's it's you know the the competition isn't there in the same way. I don't know. Have we lost something in that? Perhaps no. I think I I, I think we've become more collaborative with it. Whereas whereas we look oh. at it we look at it as a as actually a collective thing where like we can build on one another's. <laughs> uh, work rather than rather than it being a sort of you know fight to the death for like identity and a seat at the table you know which is more the stakes when you're a younger person and and uh, a lot less secure in in who you are at least I you know I was for sure I mean for me I I mean because I, I'm younger than the mats and so I felt like you Mark with regards to them. So I don't know if you felt that way with regards to me, since you're a year younger than I am. Uh, this sort yes. of matryoshka march, this like human centipede of of, <laughs> of like progression towards eternity. I like uh, all the metaphors, Pete. Of all the metaphors, <laughs> <laughs> matryoshka, matryoshka. Uh, yeah, all of it, Peter. <laughs> all of it. Look, I'm just what I'm saying is that the, you know the child gives birth to the man, and and I, you know when I when I met you guys, I was I was but a child, and now I'm a man. <laughs> like and uh, but but yeah, it's like they see you think that they'll always see you as the younger version of yourself or do you always perform the young do you perform the younger version of yourself with people who you've spent time with and grown older with and i feel like the answer is not anymore like it takes a while but there's a certain time period where like if you're in a really distinctly younger uh age bracket which of course that sort of that that what that bracket means becomes like sort of it's measured differently when you're young it's sort of a percentage of your life almost though probably more geometric than linear right like when you're 70 it's like 20 years <laughs> when when you're when you're 5 it's like 2 weeks <laughs> i don't know uh something along those lines uh, but mark i am sorry if you felt excluded um i, I did not oh, mean no, to no 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 it wasn't that no it was like uh it was more like come join out in like the uh in that friendly mostly friendly competition that i that i just described it was never it was never exclusionary but it's definitely intimidating i would say especially you know the like of the, of the likes of you all you know very quick-witted 
quick with a joke and with a reference. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, it, you know, actually here's something like, you know, uh, there are times still I feel like a little bit of a step behind, especially when like, you know, the, when you guys really pull out like the literary references and things like that. Um, maybe I, I feel actually then, uh, face to face with the, with the younger version of myself, um, and the younger version of you guys as well too, like kind of the, the 18 years ago. This thing. is what we did instead of being awesome with an electric guitar. Right. So, you know, oh, there you are with zero sum again. <laughs> I guess. We're building on each other. We're I building mean, on each other. I suppose time, time is a zero sum game. Uh, it, you know, you, there, there's only so much for all of us. Oh, oh wow. OK. That's what funny. I'm saying, Mark, is if you come across young Will Smith, murder him <laughs> because he's a weakness. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Wait, I don't think that's what it is at all. Never mind. Do you, do you think uh, – to think about the Gemini Man for just a second, do you think somehow like uh, old Will Smith learns lessons from young Will Smith that in a meta kind of way that apply to his career? Like is, is, is the his main takeaway from this is I should get jiggy with it again? His dab montage, right? There's got to be lots of Fortnite dancing that is happening as young Will Smith. Because wait, no, young Will Smith isn't like super young. He's not like with Jaden, although he's probably making that movie as we speak. But, uh, but like he needs to get the spring in his step. Well, yeah, because like – from what I know from the trailers in Gemini, man, old Will Smith is like racked by trauma and young Will Smith doesn't have the trauma. And uh, and in that sense, like the person without the trauma has more spring in their step. But also in that sense, it's not like seeing that is going to help you all that much. I mean, it might help you a little bit, but it doesn't take the trauma away. Uh, you know, you might it might give you sort of a motivation in a, in a sort of brief moment of consideration or like a level of insight. But it doesn't fix the thing that's taken the spring out of your step. There, like there, you can't. There's yeah. a version of this plot where like the younger the younger self represents innocence and integrity or like a, a connection mm-hmm. with values. And I mean, like the way that this this works in rom coms a lot. Right. When when a big city lawyer. Um, it, usually a woman because they're the ones who need to be punished for their ambition, um, like goes home, right. And realizes that the, you know, the domestic values yeah. were the, the good values, uh, yeah, sweet home, Alabama kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. But they're, they're not exactly, other, but exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Not exactly, but like, yeah. And, and, or like, uh, actually hook is a version of this, isn't it? Right. That, that like he has to, you know, the little, the little boy who says, uh, Oh, there you are, Peter, you know, um, yeah. to, to Robin Williams being, you know, like a particularly tear jerky, like, um, instance of this but like that he you know that it, it, to a certain extent like it's not like the it's not like the younger just the younger self is just dumb i mean the younger self is is dumb and credulous but that also is a is a kind of strength right like or at least there it's it's not um it, it's not an unmixed blessing it's not an unmixed curse you know that that like there is something <laughs> to that uh self yeah it reminds me. I mean, I don't know if you guys, are, any of you guys are Naruto fans. Probably not. No, but I, you know, you know what I did, Pete. Recently, I've been speaking of going back to to uh, older things. I've been watching a, a, a show as I moved into a new apartment recently, and I've been unpacking. And uh, I need something to put on while I unpack. I need just basically like some commotion in the space so that I'm not completely numbed by like just taking kitchen utensils out of boxes and like washing off glasses that have been wrapped in newspaper and things like this. Um, and I've been watching a, a little show called The Magicians. On and so uh, I reached the end of the a younger second... self of me watched that show a couple of years younger. <laughs> I, went, I reached the end of the second season uh, and and went to listen to the Overthinking It members only uh, Pete Cast solo podcast from Pete Fenzel available in our members area to those who join us for five bucks a month and and support our efforts at Overthinking It. Um, with a little cash, we give you extra podcasts and, and stuff like that in the members area. And I listened to it and I was, I was quite taken with, uh, some of your, uh, some of your descriptions of Naruto because apparently, uh, while you were recovering from surgery, you read a big Naruto box set. I did. Yes. Yes. Right before I proposed to my wife, actually, I realized after the fact, like at the time I was like, oh man, I'm recovering from this surgery. I better uh, buy this Naruto box set, I guess. But then it was like, oh man, I'm also proposing to my wife soon. I wonder if in a certain way 
I am kind of saying goodbye to my younger Gemini man self uh-huh. because my older Gemini man self is coming. Um, but yeah, I mean, I talked about the magicians because it's like Harry Potter and Harry Potter is like Naruto and it's all this sort of that that sort of uh, theme of the wizard school theme, right? The wizard it's a, it's, school it's story. Harry, it's Harry Potter, but it's it's sexy Potter, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's graduate students, right? So there's more of a kind of arrested development situation with like they're fully adult in terms of their I've sexual character. I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> In, in the arrested development way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, but the the idea with some of these stories, and you see it very, very directly in Naruto, but in some of the other stories like it, is there's commonly mentor-mentee relationships between the older teachers and the younger kids where the teachers and the kids kind of select for each other because of their very, very close personal resemblance. And so it creates something like a parent-child relationship, but more perfect in terms of like correspondence than than real parent-child relationships really could really ought to be, right? Uh, I mean, the big example I'm coming up with is like Maitugai and uh, Rock Lee and Naruto, where they have the same bowl haircut, they wear the same outfit with the same vest, and the older guy is always saying, ah, yes, the spirit of youth, like youth and strength, right? And and you should fight with youth. And he's always talking about how his own youth is still strong, but then he, like, injures himself. Uh, but, but, the, but his young protege, like, really takes it to mind and commits to his acts of, of uh, taijutsu and hand-to-hand combat with a real kind of vehemence of, of spirit that is characteristic of the younger Will Smith Gemini man who has this sense of, you know, kind of optimism because they haven't been jaded or they haven't been kind of damaged by time or, or change. Um, and it's similar. It's and in the, in the magicians, uh, there's kind of a shortage of mentors in the magicians, which is, I think, kind of part of the tragedy of the story, right? Everybody's kind of trying to learn, but there's no one to learn from. It's a it's a story about kids who go to a school and everybody at the school gets murdered and the professors can't protect them, right? So it's sort of like uh, almost a Stephen Kingy kind of situation, like it, where like the point is that the parents in the town can't protect the kids from the monster, uh, but in Naruto they can, <laughs> usually by giving their lives. Um, so, so, uh, at any rate, yeah, I've, I've seen these tropes, these Gemini men, as it were. Isn't Naruto the thing that's like back in pop culture now because of the interesting way that Naruto runs? Oh yes, that's right. Naruto, <laughs> the Naruto run, which is not specific only to Naruto, but to certain sorts of shonen anime in general, right? Like running with your arms in a V behind you. Uh, and the idea that somebody who is like not in particularly good shape or notably good shape, if they run like that can like evade all pursuers and like dance across water. Uh, yes, I believe that it was the way in which the hordes were going to successfully <laughs> storm area 51 on September 20th was by Naruto running past all the guards. <laughs> and in fact, I believe believe there even was one uh kid and god bless the god bless youth right god bless the young gemini man where there was one young guy who when a news reporter was standing outside area 51 doing a report on it like naruto ran in the background of the news report in a reference to like the sort of meme that had been going around that as long as everybody naruto runs with their arms behind them in a v uh and and that means you can sort of teleport away from bullets uh as uh due to the various sorts of genre conventions of the illustration styles so yeah we'll post a note about what the Naruto run is to the show notes. Uh, I'm sure that you can learn much more about it. Um, so I, I got to say, like, as part of aging, I become like gradually more and more alarmed that I feel out of touch with pop culture that I used to take for granted that like pop culture was for me. Um, but now I don't. So I've actually started listening to podcasts about like who celebrities are um, because like, I don't know, like I'll, I'll look at magazine covers and, and I'll just be like, could be anyone. Um, and so that like, I'm listening, I, I listen to this podcast called who weekly, which is about like B list celebrities. Just tell me if you know, either of these, uh, either of these two people who the, the current episode of who weekly is about Colleen Rooney and Rebecca Vardy. No, and the, th- nope. the third one I do know is, uh, Colby Smulders. Who oh, we yeah, should yeah. all know. Yeah. Yeah. Who I don't even think is a who they make a distinction in, in the podcast be- between the differences of like, like who's in them's right. Which is that like if you're like a real celebrity, you're not you're you're a them. But if you're like sort of like a, a edge case celebrity, you're like a who. And by the way, if you're if you're old Will Smith, you're a them. But if you're young Will Smith, you're a who. Right. Like, oh, man. Woof. Burns. You just burned Hancock right there. <laughs> no, I, mean, really, I do yeah. think I mean, I, I do I think it's interesting to it, look at him. I don't mean it in the sense of being C-list. I can't remember a time when when Will Smith was was C-list. He sprung fully formed from the head of Uncle Phil, you know, but the the um, 
the the idea that like you are more potential there's a time when you are more potential and realiz- than realization and then there's a time when you become more realization than potential you know for most of us, it's when we're in a baby, but for Will Smith, it's when his parents just didn't understand him, right? <laughs> <laughs> take it for me, kids across the land. It is. I mean, it's interesting to look at this particular moment in Will Smith's career as the moment where, like, he, he either chose to do this movie or he was picked to do this movie because he's he seems to be at some sort of a crossroads that, like, you know, he hasn't had a whole lot of hit movies in the last, like, 10 years since, like, when he did, like, I don't know, like, Hancock and The Pursuit of Happiness. And, you know, he... Suicide Squad wasn't a big hit. Um, I'm trying to think of like you know what what else he did, but like you know, right. he's, he's had, yeah, Bright was not a huge. I mean, I although I think who's to say if it was a big hit for Netflix? Netflix is very uh, cagey about like what constitutes a hit in their world. But then recently, right, Will Smith has taken this turn back towards like really crowd pleasing populist movies, most notably Aladdin. But also, like, he finally, like, you know, uh, pulled the trigger to do, like, a new Bad Boys movie. Right, right, uh, right. You know, so that that you kind of feel that maybe this is, in a way, like, you know, Will Smith sort of being like, I've I've gotten away from from the from the entertainer that I was. Right. I got I got, like, too self-serious. I tried to, like, you know, make too many art movies and not enough sort of, like, crowd-pleasing fun movies, not enough Wild Wild West um, <laughs> That's the example, not Men in Black. Wild Wild West. I don't know. I think Wild Wild West is an interesting example because I bet I bet Wild Wild West was actually successful, right? Like we all remember mm. Wild Wild West as being very bad, but I bet Wild Wild West was like a successful summer movie. I'm going to check this. Mm. But yeah, I mean, the, I I don't know. There's there's an interesting thing. I I want to go back to you listening to podcasts about who like YouTube celebrities are. Um, <laughs> I'm right. trying really hard to learn. The, the, the sad thing is, like, I can't do it. Like, week after week, they try to, like, teach me who the different people that are, like, you know, hanging out with Ariana, Ariana Grande are. And I just cannot. The, the names just go in one ear and out the other. Well, yeah, because it doesn't, it doesn't matter to you. But the, the – so I was um – I was uh, uh, I follow Patty Smith on Instagram, and I you know sort of adore Patty Smith, and and uh, she has you know not dyed her hair. She doesn't do sort of youth enhancing things. She sort of appears in public as the age she is, and like lets it be part of part of her part of her persona. And uh, she appeared, she posted something recently on Instagram. Um, someone has published a book, I think of photographs of her in younger days or something like that. And it was the, the like release party for the book. And it was the, the photographer of the book and Patty Smith side by side women of about the same age. And the photographer of the book had, you know, dyed brown hair and a whole bunch of makeup and looked like, you know, had had maybe had surgery or altered her appearance or something like that. And I thought, like, I thought, um, well, gosh, it's it's particularly cruel uh, to women. It's a double bind, like not a double standard. A double standard at least has a success condition, even if it's not fair. It's a double bind. You're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Like you're damned if you if you uh, in, appear in public as the age you are uh, because you're old, and you're damned if you um, you know uh, try to appear younger because you're you're uh, sort of laughable. And that's that's not a uh, sort of bind that that men face in in quite the same way. I look uh, when I started losing my hair, I I shaved it all off and and looked if anything sexier. Um, the uh, the you know um, and and uh, thank you for not contradicting me. All of the three of you, you're very good friends, and we've known each other for a long time. No, uh, it really it suits for you. It looks your hair looks kind of silly sometimes. I like it better this way. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely <laughs> did. <laughs> Says me, right? It looked like Welcome Back, Cotter. Yeah, but, but uh, <laughs> I had a thing where it was like growing at the sides. I had kind of a Bozo the Clown thing going on. It's much much better. I mean, Bruce Willis had had the right idea decades ago, but the. Um, <laughs> You know, but the the I was sort of looking looking at this, and I, I think that we sort of conceive of aging at the moment as a, a sort of loss of privilege, right? And like as a diminishment of vitality, rather than a sort of uh, uh, increase in wisdom or experience or something that's uh, or like or even just peace. 
Like you couldn't pay me to go back to the way I felt in my twenties day to day. You know, it would be, it would be miserable. I'm so happy that I have, uh, what I have now, even though literally every joint makes creeping, creaking and popping sounds when I get up in the morning, you know, like that's, that's fine. I'm, that's a trade off. I'm, I'm more than willing to make, uh, for, uh, for what I have, you know, and yet we sort of, we conceive of it as a loss of privilege as being sort of, um, all, uh, as being irrelevant as being sort of not though, though, you know, I control the disposition of so much more disposable income than I did back then. Right. Like the, 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 I should be marketed to a lot more, uh, a lot more aggressively and, and not, you know, chasing all the, the YouTube celebrities with like brand endorsement deals or something like that. Though, though I guess what, what, what the theory is that like my preferences are set more or less yeah. and that I it's, can't it's be. It's not, it, yeah, it's that your capacity for change is less. Or let me rephrase, your likelihood, your, your likelihood of being suggestible and your the likelihood that you will change your preferences is less than it was when you were younger, right? Like, uh, that that's why they would market to somebody who's younger is because they can change their mind. I mean, at this point, if the Wu-Tang Clan came to you recommending a deodorant, even if you enjoyed it, you would be less likely to make a lifetime shift in your deodorant purchase based on it. Uh, whereas before, when that happened, I switched to right guard right away. <laughs> like, that's what I did when I saw the Wu Tang commercial, uh, and, and and I have not I have not been uh, so swayed recently. I think, uh, but who knows, right? Who knows? But uh, that, we never. Nobody really knows how they get affected by marketing. So I was but, watching. So I was looking at Patty Smith, uh, sort of appreciating her her long life of artistic production, um, and appreciating a sense about her of 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 sort of peace that she must have have come to with sort of who she is including how she presents in the world physically and uh, looking at this other woman whose appearance seemed to encode a lot more anxiety. And it's just like, Matt, it seems like there's an anxiety about loss of privilege, right? There's an anxiety about loss of status, not, not privilege per se, not privilege in the way, in the sense of check your privilege, of loss of status in the idea that like pop culture just isn't for you anymore, you know? Cause like we don't, it's hard to go out to movies. We, one of the reasons, like we got a little burned out on movies, I think like this summer versus previous summers when we saw all the big temples and attempted temples. But another thing is like, it's hard to get three or four of us out to the same movie in the same weekend. It's more, uh, it's more of a production. And like, you know, if, if a super villain origin story can't do it, I, I don't even know what that, that says about, uh, about all of us. And so it's not, I mean, it's just not, it's not for us anymore. And there, there is an interesting, I mean, I think there's an anxiety encoded in that about a loss of status and how, you know, what is it, what is your place in the world if it's not as, as a sort of target market, you know? Yeah, that it's is to like create a, new, it's, it's to create new, younger versions of ourselves that will be in the target market, you know? Oh, are you creating kids. a younger Gemini man, Mark? In a way, yes. In, in a way, way, my son is, 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 is. In a way, my son is my Gemini man. Yeah. How so? How how does that work? Well, I mean, they got to keep making these Terminator movies so that by the time he's age appropriate for one of them, right? You know, the, the, the rights will have like collapsed into a, a the Hollywood swamp somewhere, and the, yeah. the franchise can continue to make money for someone. That's gonna be a bittersweet moment when you can like take your son to a Terminator movie, but it's just unspeakably horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, didn't feel didn't didn't people feel like that with the the uh, prequel trilogy of Star Wars, like one, two, and three? I'm sure there were there were families who had that you know, pathetic uh, drop uh, happen to them. <laughs> Man, I mean, we've been pretty lucky because all the Marvel stuff is really good, right? I mean, a lot of people like to be contrarian by saying that it isn't, but even the bad stuff is like serviceable, right? Because, like, because, Matt, you have a kid that's old enough that you can actually talk about that stuff with your kid. Uh, like, oh, yeah, he's, totally, he's totally into the Marvel stuff. Yeah. And, like, do you guys talk about, is, do you guys talk, do you talk about your relationship with the Marvel stuff and what it was like when you were younger? Or is that a distance that you guys can't traverse? I mean, like, I've, you know, it's funny. It's like he's, you know, we, we bond over those franchises, but, like, I try to tell him about, like, James Bond movies and he has, like, no interest in that stuff. Uh, you know, it's, it's, he doesn't even really uh, care that much about like old Star Wars. Like to him, the prequels are like the main 
it's it took me a long time to become sort of like at peace with the Star Wars prequels and to admit that like it's okay. It's it's a net positive that they're in the world. You know, for a long time, I'm just like these these movies would have been better off never being made. But like, in fact, like even if the execution of a lot of these stories are bad, just the sort of like, you know, the the whole th- that group of characters, the Mace Windus, the Jedi Councils, the young Anakin and Obi-Wan buddy show and everything. I mean, I guess I'm just saying that like every every generation has this pop culture that the older generation will look look down on. And then every generation I'm sure that like my dad couldn't get me into like, you know, John Wayne in the way that he would have liked. <laughs> and right. now like, you just have to accept the fact that like, and, 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 you know, Mark, you, you need to accept the possibility that like the Terminator is not going to be a thing that your son relishes because it's just, he's going to have his own, whatever the, the Gemini man franchise is going to be the Terminator for his generation. <laughs> <laughs> See, I got to take notes guys, because starting in April of next year, I'm going to have this problem. I have to start considering what I'm going to start teaching my son what? about pop culture. Wait, what? What? <laughs> Wait, no. Spoiler alert. This is not a drill. Pete actually dropped this on us while we're recording the body. What? Yeah, yeah. No, Maddox actually knows, and he helped me set it up a little bit, which I appreciate. <laughs> so yeah, so April of next year, little little boy Fenzel will be coming into the world. The, the, it's wow, obviously the gender might not turn out to be right. There's still doubt around all this stuff, and Lord willing, and the crick don't rise and everything. So so I need to know what you guys are telling your children about Terminator because I'm going to have to tell my ch- children about my son about Terminator at some point, and I need to know how to contextualize it. So my wife is in this room with me, laughing hysterically because we've been plotting this all afternoon. Aww. Say con- congratulations, Sarah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> she just fist bumped and walked out of the room. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I've got a younger Gemini man, and hopefully he's not going to come after me with an assault rifle at some point because <laughs> I've committed some sort of horrible sin in, in favor of the machines and against humankind. Uh, something along those lines. But, yeah, reflecting on the change, right, the passage of time. Uh, so yeah, so if you guys have any notes about the sort of, uh, the distance, right? Um, well, the hey, you know, we're, we're, we're accepting, uh, pop culture suggestions for, uh, little boy Fenzel, uh, <laughs> you know, at podcastedoverthinkingit.com. So send, send those in. We'll use them for, we'll use them for all the, all the little boys. This has been a bumper. It'll be a bumper 18 months for, uh, overthinkers reproducing, <laughs> um, it's been a, it's been, yeah, it's been a quite a, quite a spate and, and there's more to come. So let's, uh, man, let's, uh, get those tips rolling in podcast at overthinking com. pop, pop culture, parenting tips, values to live by. Uh, <laughs> listen, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks very much for listening. And thanks to Mark. Uh, to to Matt and to Pete for podcasting with me. We'll be back with more Overthinking It podcast because uh, how else are we going to become the uh, become the old men that we will once haunt and torment until we uh, by, except by doing a podcast every single week. So we'll be back next week with that. Until you can, then, you can visit us for uh, the members area if you join and more uh, at overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't consider. Well played, Pete. <laughs>So I got to get into PJ Masks now, right? That's what I got to do. That's what I hear. PJ Masks, uh, Paw Patrol, Peppa Sophia. Pig. What's up? Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig. Oh, man. George is hilarious. I'm all, I'm all, I'm all set. <laughs> Mark, what's your fave? What's your fave for, to watch with your little one? I mean, aside from Terminator movies, which are totally <laughs> age appropriate at, you know, nine months. Right, right. Well, I mean, they, they are age appropriate at nine months as long as you keep the volume down. And then, like, they become really not age appropriate for a long period of time. <laughs> but you're in the good window when pretty much anything is age appropriate <laughs> because it's all just flashy lights. Don't worry. If you can't watch Terminator for a while. You'll be back. Like to to sort of play off nostalgia, there are a lot of children's TV shows that are just sort of updated versions of like '90s and '80s children's TV shows. So you can watch like a Transformer show. You can watch like a My Little Pony show. Uh, You could watch an Inspector Gadget on Netflix, but it's going to be like a bastardized 3D Inspector Gadget that you're going to hate.
I got it. No baby, but what we make. Hasta la vista.